This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we we have is to provide our listeners some really good information about homes and home ownership, the benefits of it, so that you can make some really good decisions. And we're here on a beautiful Saturday morning, I think. Not sure if it's still summer or fall. I think it officially becomes fall this evening. But to help me with this good information today, I went straight to the top, and that is our 23rd assembly Assemblyman, Mr. Jim Patterson. By the way, I love the program title, Welcome Home. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, we've talked about this before, but, you know, my, my three kids are in homes. Thank goodness, right? I mean, an awful lot of Californians are having a hard time affording homes, and that's maybe what we talk about that. But I remember when Sharon and I got our first home, and our realtor handed us those keys. I mean, we were young, and this is our first home. I mean, it was a dream come true. And then, you know, now as a dad, to see our kids. Uh, and, and I must tell you, and I've said this to you before, that uh, the help that the uh, the realtors gave, all three of my kids, in making the process uh, easy, and and and, uh, and then the key gets presented, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, and it's not, you know, welcome house radio, <laughs> it's welcome home. Thank and, you. And a home is a whole lot more than uh, a piece of property, and, and I I love the way that that realtors understand that and and get people through what can be complicated. Uh, and and time consuming, and and to have that responsibility to to be their their their, their fiduciary representative and uh, uh, you know uh, advocate and and an advisor right by your side. Thank you, realtors, for what you do. Thank you, and and to give that from the realtor point of view or, or side, um, I would say it always irks me when somebody thinks that oh you guys are just doing this for the commission. No. Far and away, the best paycheck we ever receive is that feeling when you hand somebody their first set or their yep. their keys yep. to their no, new home, especially yep. if it's their first time. Yeah. I, I recently, eh, maybe a year or two ago, gave keys to a buyer who bought a um, kind of a small double wide mobile home. Yeah. But that was their home, uh, uh, and the excitement. And, and it, yeah. I'm going to remember that for a long time. In <laughs> the little eight-year-old girl running around, going, "Mr. Don, Mr. Don, that's my bedroom that's there." My bedroom. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, 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 we said this before when we visited. Uh, we need to be appreciative of those who provide services to us. And I learned a long time ago that if you don't have a good realtor, you can make mistakes. If you don't have a good lawyer, <laughs> you can make mistakes. If you don't have a good CPA, you can make mistakes. If you don't have a good insurance representative, so for, I think in the it, it, life really does require uh, that we have these professionals who, uh, for a fee, and I'm glad to pay. 
I'm glad to pay. The big mistakes you make when you don't use professionals can cost you a whole lot more than uh, you know a commission uh, or, or a service fee. And it brings me to this point. The state of California, I think, is really uh, out to essentially dismantle uh, the independent contracting uh, that goes on in the state of California. And we've seen it over and over again. Now, fortunately, cooler heads have prevailed, and we're not going after it as hard as I think the, the majority party in the legislature wants to. But we we have to have uh, the the ability for for free people in a free society to decide how they want to their their business life. And if they want to be an employee, they can be an employee. If they want to be an independent contractor, they can be an independent contractor. And I really think the state of California ought to get out of uh, deciding who who is going to do what. Uh, but but professionals are really important for 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 our daily lives. And I appreciate what you do. And I again, when all these others, uh, insurance. I mean, I, I, I've owned radio stations for 30 years. And, you know, I've had people try to cut my towers down before. People have broken into the transmitter buildings and tried to steal a lot of money. I'm telling you, my insurance saved the day. And uh, that's why you buy it, and that's why you – I never uh, griped about an insurance premium. Mm-hmm. Or, or, frankly, a, a bill from my lawyer you, or my CPA. You, you, you make mistakes and turn your back on professionals, and you're going to pay the price. So maybe, maybe – uh, and it's a little bit of wisdom. Remi- yes. Remind ourselves the the importance of service professionals. And you know, for our listeners to give you a little background on what Assemblyman Patterson was talking about, independent contractor versus employee. Realtors uh, who work in a traditional real estate office are independent contractors, um, not an employee. So, for yeah, I'll use me as an example. I am not told that, hey, you have to be to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm not even told you have to be there. Yeah. Now, eventually, performance starts to factor sure, into sure, it. Sure. But um, I, I'm truly an independent contractor, yeah. and therefore I fall under a different set of rules. Uh, they don't pay me a minimum wage. If I don't work, I'm going to go a long time. <laughs> uh, what's that called? Being out of commission. <laughs> so... Um, and that's really a status that we're hoping to keep. Uh, well, there, it, it is being challenged. Uh, oh, yeah. At, at, uh, in fact, uh, again, I, and I'm not, I don't want to really get too partisan in this, but the fact of the matter is that the ruling party in the state of California right now will not even use the term independent contractor. When we are discussing these matters either in committee or on the floor or we have legislation in front of us, they use the term misclassified employee <laughs> uh, uh, as if your decision to be an independent contractor, somehow you are, I guess, a fool and you've misclassified yourself. And the big government, the state of California, is going to make sure you get it right. <laughs> now, <laughs> Shame on them. <laughs> now, something interesting just happened because, and this will show and have these guys come and watch me for the day mm-hmm. and see what I do. And then they're going to say, okay, <laughs> he is an independent contractor. So here I am on the show. This is, has nothing to do with the company I work sure. for. This is something I, I'm doing because I want to give back. So I just got a text message from the broker of my office yeah. asking me a question. Uh, he, he doesn't even realize I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> or if he thought about it, he would. <laughs> but so. Well, you really you are. Uh, you are. Uh, 
essentially an, ind- an independent operator. You're, you're, and and you, you're, your time, I mean, you have responsibilities with respect to the brand and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, and uh, it, look, this, is, this has served uh, people well and Californians exceedingly well. And that's one of the challenges that I face up in Sacramento, trying to help these other members of the legislature understand what realtors are really all about try to get them to understand what an, an insurance broker, uh, an, an insurance uh, operation is all about. Uh, w- you are not the big, the big bad guys. And so oftentimes, entrepreneurs and, and medium to small businesses uh, in the state of California are the ones that bear the brunt the most of, I think, the misguided policies that are coming out of Sacramento. So mm-hmm. it's very refreshing when I come back home. And we spend time together and, we, and, and get to talk to the other realtors and all. You give me a fresh perspective about the challenges that you face, and I can take that back up to Sacramento. And I hope I can, I can influence and change some hearts and minds. Okay. Well, as we go into the rest of the show, sure. I'm going to give you a few of those. <laughs> so, Good. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, I do want to point this out because you mentioned about how important it is to hire a professional. And this is, has nothing to do with real estate. Um, I, but I did have some clients who wanted to sell a home that they moved out of four years ago, and they rented it out to some friends, but they've been claiming it on their taxes. So that triggered, as they're working with me, that sure. triggered me to think, ah, they're going to have a capital gains issue yeah. because they've been claiming income. They haven't lived in it two of the last five years. So um, I said, Talk to your CPA, and mm-hmm. maybe we should do a 1031 tax exchange. Sure. He said, well, I am my own tax preparer. <laughs> he, go, he goes online, does it through TurboTax. Sure, sure. I said, you know, we really are going to need more information than that. So do you mind that you go to a CPA? So I took him to a CPA. Come to find out, they've only been depreciating about $700 a year on this $250,000 yeah. home. Yeah. They were, uh, they could have claimed far more than that. Bingo. Yeah. I'm going to guess 10 times that amount in depreciation, and they haven't done it for the last four years. Now, they immediately hired this new CPA <laughs> to amend their taxes, but unfortunately, they can only go back three years right. to amend. Right. So they're losing that, and um, so... Th- and just the part they're losing would have paid for an accountant for the last, or CPA for yeah. the last four years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- it's, it, uh, th- there, are, there are reasons why um, professionals are so valuable. Uh, we live our lives. We're busy. We're doing our work. We're going to work or, or, or we're running our businesses. We're raising our kids and enjoying life. It, it's impossible for us to be all things to ourselves because we live in an unbelievably dynamic economy and the rules and tax law and legal circumstances are changing almost weekly. Uh, And that's why I think uh, somebody like a real estate agent who stays on top of this on your behalf so that your preparation and your expertise is immediately available to that person. Uh, I I would just say... uh, um, it's a it's a real value, and and I want you to know I appreciate it. Not just from real estate, but uh, from other service professionals. State of California continues to try to tax you, try, tries to tax those transactions. 
uh, service transactions. Uh, all that means is that uh, that tax increase simply is going to show up in the fee and on the bill and all of that. It's a direct uh, tax on the users of these services, and yet they think, uh, well, nobody's going to notice because we're going to tax the service, the service provider. That, those taxes have come up, you know, year after year, and we've been able to, to beat it back, uh, frankly, with the strong help of the realtors and others. But uh, no bad idea ever dies completely in Sacramento. So we have to be vigilant about that. I have noticed that. <laughs> Things just keep coming back. It's like, oh, good, we got it defeated. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then next year, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Every two years, we've got a session. And, and I look, I mean, I, I saw, I think I saw and voted on something like 3,000 bills this year. Wow. I mean, that's utterly unnecessary. I mean, we're basically making law for the sake of making law and for the sake of politicians getting their uh, their name on a, on a bill. A lot of the stuff that I see, you look at it, and there's no need for the bill because there isn't a problem that they're trying to solve and that there are already in place regulations and standard practices uh, that uh, make this bill utterly unnecessary, and yet somebody puts their name on it and uh, you know, and gets patted on the back and for get, it. Gets, gets, I guess gets patted on the back. And I, uh, w- uh, we used to have a limit, I think, to forty bills an individual. And now, and this current leadership in this assembly just bumped it up to fifty. So there's a, there's a what there's a hundred and twenty of us. Multiply that times fifty forty bills fifty bills, and you can see. It it does get a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Yeah. Well, and when we get back from this commercial break, I want to ask you about how you look at all those bills. Sure. I mean, how do you understand them all, all the way from housing to pharmaceutical and oh, such? Everything in between, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio we have Assemblyman Jim Patterson with us today. And um, I would like to remind everybody that today is the day of that big John Miller Spirit of Cooperation blood drive. So today's the day you actually go mm. and and contribute a pint of blood, a part of yourself. And where this mm. all came from, John Miller was a longtime realtor in the business, worked um, primarily for two companies, Realty Concepts and Guarantee Real Estate. Um, and John w- always taught about the spirit of cooperation. He always taught that, hey, this is how we put our escrows together, two mm-hmm. different companies sure. in competition, but you got to let it down for a bit and cooperate and, and get uh, make you know achieve the goal that the, the client wants. And he often said, you know, this is how it works in Sacramento and Washington, D.C. If you're going to get something passed, at some point, people got to cooperate. Sure, and, absolutely. And, and uh, he was the master negotiator because <laughs> he would always try to find common ground. He goes, and if you can't listen and understand the other side, you'll never find that common ground that you need to work on. Anyway, he recently passed away, oh. but his final dream was this um, this blood drive 
So that is what we're doing to honor him. And right now, today, today, today at the at the Bud Center there on yeah, all um, we're optimistic. Yeah. So we got all three Blood Centers oh, opened up. Uh, we have the Veterans Hall in Clovis opened up. So you can't say it's too far to drive. <laughs> Great. All right. Oh, and by the way, for anybody that says, "Oh no, I'm afraid of needles." I promise you, if you get a paper cut, that will hurt more than giving blood. (laughs) So it's not that bad. If you say, oh, well, I always get woozy. Well, it's probably because you didn't drink enough water or eat before you went. So so do that. Well, uh, uh, Sharon has been uh, a blood donor for a long, long time because she has a particular blood type that is universally used and and, uh, highly in demand, but uh, not a lot that... Of that type that's universally available. So we, we I mean, um, we've known the Elder family for a long time, and and we just love what uh, the blood uh, the blood center uh, does here. And um, you're right. If if Sharon can can, can take the needle, so mm-hmm. can you. <laughs> but you know why she can do that? And I know your wife Sharon. Yeah. It's because she has a big heart. Yeah. She does. And if you got a, as John Miller said, yeah. if you got a big heart, share it. You, I, you were mentioning this before we went on the radio that John wanted to do this in part because other people had given blood for him and that he was concerned he was using a whole lot more blood than he was giving. And he wanted it. I thought that was a very sweet attitude to say, I want this crisis time in my life. To mean something for other people with some a, a whole lot of additional units. So, bless his heart. Oh, yeah. And that's another one of his teachings. By the way, he was a great mentor. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with him back in the 80s and the 90s. And, and he always taught. And one of the things was always give more than you take. Mm-hmm. And when he told me, he said, this blood drive would mean a lot to me because I feel bad that I've taken more blood mm-hmm. than I've ever given. And he was a regular giver, yep. but when he got that AML leukemia, oh my. yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it, 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 he needed lots of blood. Sure. And uh, so this is our chance to help John fulfill his Wonderful. dream. Well, everybody, roll your sleeve up and go out and do it. Yeah, thank you. Today's the day from 9 to 3. It started already at the three blood centers, one on Herndon and Blythe, mm-hmm. one on Perrin and Champlain. One on First and Shaw, or a little bit off of Shaw. Um, and then, of course, the Clovis Veterans Hall, which is in downtown yep. Clovis. Um, then th- th- we got the idea, him and I were brainstorming. It's like, why stop with a blood drive? We need a food drive, too. Good. So starting November the 1st through the 15th, two competing title companies are coming together in the John Miller Spirit of Cooperation Food Drive to um, to do that, and that would be Fidelity National Title and Chicago Title. So that's interesting. Two competitors yep. coming together in cooperation for a noble cause. Then, following that, in De- on December 1st, we have a subsequent blood drive put on by two competing um, uh, mortgage companies, and that would be Mid-Valley Financial sure. and Resource Lenders. Yep. And think about the think about the idea here that spirit of cooperation yeah. and maybe this can be an example to others yeah. uh look competition is a good thing 
uh, competition. Uh, and, you know, I've been uh, in broadcasting for a long time, and remember, there's a lot of radio stations on the dial, and we're and there's a lot of competition. Um, but it, it to me, um, competition is really uh, the I think the genius of the of, of our of our economic system fundamentally because uh, we are looking to do the best we can, and then we look to compare ourselves to our competition and say, how can we have a better competitive? So what happens in that exercise is everybody gets better, and who benefits from that? The people that we serve, everybody gets better, uh, but competition can create some edges, right, and some some conflicts, and. My grandpa, uh, bless his soul and his heart, a uh, very special man to me, uh, was uh, very fond of reminding his grandkids that making a living is one thing, but the more important thing is making a life. And if you and I and I've seen your joy, I've seen Dee Dee's joy in the work that she does. You you have made a life. Yes, you're making a living. And it, making the life has to do with uh, how shall I live, given the fact that I've been blessed to be relatively successful and and uh, ha- have a responsibility. And to me, that's uh, that's a very very good lesson. And I to to see what uh, the real companies are doing in this spirit of cooperation and and the uh, mortgage companies and all of that. Um, that's 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 making a life. It's having a living, but having much more than just a nine to five. I mean, I was b- fortunate, and I think uh, we've talked about this before that you uh, you feel kind of the same way. There are, there are some people who are in places where they're making a living, where oh my goodness, it's Monday. Oh Wednesday is is you know we're we're coming up on Hump Day. Oh TGIF it's Friday. Oh wonderful the weekend, and I dread the fact that Monday's coming. Sharon and I have been blessed, and I think I think you and Dee have as well. Um, blessed to be in a circumstance where every day is an exciting day and can be a day where you think the sun comes up tomorrow, right? And that's what I mean by making a living is good and wonderful and necessary, but making a life has so much to do with attitude and what you do with that success. So I I really commend you and appreciate what you're doing and I I think uh, it's a lesson for everybody including yeah. those of us that sit around up in Sacramento yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you brought out a really good point just now and it kind of goes to what you said in the first segment about independent contractor and employee so this is what you need to tell the, the your colleagues up there I'm taking Here, notes here's the realtor joke do you know what Friday means to a realtor? It just means two more work days until a new work week starts. <laughs> now, that is not the mindset of an employee. <laughs> right. And I'm really not sure if that's a joke. <laughs> I think it might be for real. Sure. Um, well, you know, we've talked so much about the spirit of cooperation and, and the blood drive, so do get out there. Please do. In the next segment, which is coming up okay. soon, that's when we're going to have to talk about how you look at all these bills. I'm glad to do it. So with that, we're going to go to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN.
Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us is our 23rd District Assemblyman, Jim Patterson. And earlier we were talking about the thousands of bills that come before you. (laughs) How in the world do you... Yeah. Look at all those, because yeah. you cannot be an expert on no. all of them. I mean, as smart as you are, you, I, just, <laughs> no. you're human still. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, I think it's important for a member of the legislature to go to Sacramento with an overarching governing view. In, in other words, a lens by which you look at every piece of legislation. And I think you have to be, uh, I mean, if uh, for me, that lens is that government ought to be limited and focused on the few things that it should do exceedingly well and then let the private sector and, and uh, uh, you know, the dy- dynamics of free people in a free society uh, so, that, so everybody can soar and, and, and do what they want. That sometimes government can be so overreaching and we can get so uh, detailed in, in dictating uh, the, the lives of people that we, that we sort of squelch liberty and opportunity and, and all of that. So first of all, I think you have to have a governing lens. I've been very, very fortunate uh, to have wonderful staff. I mean, really, really good staff. And it starts with an analysis by my staff. I mean, all 3,000 of those bills, my staff had to dig through, get to the bottom of it, find out whether it was good policy or bad policy, listen to and help me understand what the supporters and the opposition have to say about it, uh, and then uh, I think you have to apply that governing lens. Does this move freedom and opportunity forward? Does it make people safer or less safe? Is it an intrusion or is it necessary regulation for health and safety? Those kinds of things. And and then um, you, you, sooner or later you sit in these policy committees in which those bills don't get uh, onto the floor until they get through policy committees. So I'm on the big budget committee. I'm on the oversight and accountability committee. I'm the vice chair of that committee. I'm the vice chair of uh, utility and energy. Uh, and that's when we get to see a lot of the details. And before they ever get to the rest of the members, the policy committees either decide they go forward or, the, or they don't. And then it gets to the floor. And at that, at, at then, then at that time, after we, we know what we're facing, and you've seen this before, I, I've, I've, I've called you. I've called John Shamshoyan before. Um, we touch base with folks back home regularly. So if it was going to touch real, r- realtors, uh, if it was going to touch um, uh, other small businesses, uh, if, if it would have uh, – uh, and sometimes bills are almost good enough, but they've got some problems and really sh- they're half-baked and, and really should be – so all of that comes into the decision. And then come the floor, I have to push a green button or a red button. I'll give you a great example. Now, this happened at the national level. So, uh, and this is where it was a great idea, but it didn't go. There was obviously no input from the real estate community Mm -hmm. because what they did did not work. It Mm -hmm. was a flop. And that was called the HARP program, the Home Affordable Refinance Program. Great program. When I first heard about that, I thought, all right, this will be the end of the the recession. Mm -hmm. This is going to turn us around. Then as we went on, I realized that, ooh, there's a real flaw. 
mm -hmm. in here, and that is that it would only go to 105% uh, of the balance. Mm -hmm. um, and they really, it, had they asked a realtor, we could have said, you need to go to 150 mm -hmm. to make this effective. And, and, you know, not to get into that program. Well, but, but, but if it didn't, that, that would leave, that would really leave a lot of, what, unrefinanced or, uh, debt or, or un, 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 what, okay. The what, move from the move from the 105 to the to the 150 percent. What what was what was the benefit of that to people? Okay. The benefit was that if you had a let's say a hundred thousand dollar loan at seven percent, um, in the and you have good credit, good job, you but you needed to and wanted to refinance yeah. down to a lower rate so that it was more affordable. The issue that came up is the lender said, "Well, uh, if your home's only worth a hundred thousand, we're only going to lend eighty, eighty yeah. percent." Yeah. So this, and the problem at the time was housing values had gone yeah. way down. Yeah. So that's why they said, "Well, you can go from eighty to a hundred and five. Now, that hundred and five didn't cut it because too many the market yeah. had sunk too low. To where it needed to be much higher, um, that 105 ended up helping almost nobody. Um, there were too many people that lost their home mm. because they weren't able to do it. Maybe they didn't. Um, they owned their home. Maybe they lost their job in the recession, but they could hang on to it because that was still cheaper than um, th than yeah. renting. Yeah. Um, but yet. Refinancing could have helped them progress yeah. and get better, but that wasn't my point. Is that was just an example of where a, a law was made, a policy was made without any input from the practitioners? Because yeah. I think the practitioners could have said, "Great idea." Yeah. Yeah. I learned. Yeah, I learned a long, long time ago. Basically, at when, when I was mayor of Fresno, if if you want to be uh, you know a good a good mayor and Public safety is important, and you want to really figure out how, what do we need to do to improve it. You go talk to the police officer on the beat. If you uh, are concerned uh, about um, making sure that the fire department's showing up timely and they've got the equipment they need, and you want go talk to the firefighter that's that has to go make the whole thing work. It's been a it was a great lesson for me, and it's why I think part of that governing lens that you have to bring to Sacramento is. The very point that you made, government oftentimes says, we want to do something for you. And in reality, when they don't pay attention to the people who know and they're right on the front lines of making the, the economy work, the government actually does something to you. And, I, and oftentimes what they do to you, as you have mentioned, uh, sounds good, but it really doesn't work. So I, I think it's important that legislators uh, have some real-world experience as well. I, I'm a little concerned about the sort of revolving door of of former staffers and former political operatives and those that are winning these elections. And they they really have never been in a set of circumstances in which they had to live through what the government uh, did to them in the name of doing something for them. And I think the years in broadcasting uh, helped me to uh, have that uh, broader uh, broader view. Uh, 
as a result of that governing lens, I, I will tell you I probably vote no two-thirds of the time and probably vote yes one-third of the time because the two-thirds, the times I'm voting no two-thirds, they're either half-baked, uncooked, unnecessary, or just uh, an ideological uh, penalty on uh, people and institutions that some politicians don't like. So mm. it, 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 but, you know, it is, it, it, I think it's the genius of our founders California mirrors the, the United States Constitution. We have separated powers. We've got a Senate and an Assembly. We've got a governor. Uh, and we've got the courts. The federal government does as well. And um, it, it's a messy process, but it's ours, and it's served us pretty well. And going back to what you said about competition is such a good thing, there's another thing that happened in the real estate industry that proves that when you have the government coming in saying you got to do this, <laughs> and it throws everything out of whack, but yet just let the competition go for a while and it'll resolve mm-hmm. it. So back in the, here's the example: back in the early 90s, as a reaction to the Loma Prieta earthquake, mm-hmm. um, the state of California said it is mandatory for sellers to give a natural hazard disclosure to a buyer. Now, here in Fresno, I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal? I mean, most of our buyers and sellers were all local. Sure. It's like, well, you know you're not in a sure. wildfire hazard area or earthquake. We're zone. not in fault lines. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, but it was mandated. And immediately they come out and these companies are charging $400. Hmm. So this is like adding $400 to the closing costs of a seller. And this is back when home prices were $100,000, so mm-hmm. it was pretty significant. But competition took over. This company came out and said, I can do it for $350, $295. Today, you can get a report in one day, because there's so much data out mm-hmm. there. In one day, they cost anywhere from $50 to $90, mm-hmm. and um, it's not a significant thing. So competition sure. almost corrected the overreach. Yeah, but but, but the, the point here, though, is, is with good point on competition, but it is another example of what I think California does way, way too often. They throw a large blanket of regulation on top of everybody, one size fits all, and then they wonder why it isn't working here in California in this region or over here in that region. Why? Because California is big. It's a a huge different uh, set of regions. And the uh, economic realities, the the, the, uh, demographic realities and all are not the same. They're different. And so one of the governing lenses I look for is that legislation shouldn't be one that says, we got a scoff law over here and we're going to make everybody else guilty until they prove themselves innocent, why don't they just go after the scoff law? And this is about overreach, uh, as you've mentioned. Sometimes competition can correct that, but sometimes that overreach actually starts to favor a particular uh, industry and size of industry over, over others. Part of my concern is for small business in California. Large business and big business, they are able in a lot of times to sort of manage through the regulatory costs and the taxation costs because they have 
robust markets, and they have the ability either to absorb it or to put it to the the customer in in a way that it it doesn't look like the end of the world. Small business can't do that. And when California loads up this one-size-fits-all of regulation, it really does hurt the small and medium-sized businesses because they are almost always... Uh, family-owned, or they or they uh, are uh, uh, small shareholder-owned, and they're in very competitive um, niches in a marketplace, and their margins are such that they just don't have the flexibility to absorb uh, these costs of regulation and taxes. And unfortunately, uh, small business in California is not as robust and uh, as it should be. It is large; it's the single largest em- employer, and yet. Small businesses going in and out of businesses at rates and numbers here that are a bit alarming for me. Now, I think part of it is because California does this one-size-fits-all, throws a big net over everybody, and says, that's fine. Small business, figure out how you're going to do it. Sometimes small business just simply cannot do it. I like, really, really like what you say about how you look at each piece of legislation through a governing lens. Mm-hmm. And I heard you many years ago say you, I think at the time you used the word filters. Mm-hmm. So each piece of legislation has to go through these filters. And it just hit me, the home inspector, the good home inspectors here in town, mm-hmm. they do a great inspection on a home when they do the same thing on every mm-hmm. home. You know, first they'll walk the outside then they'll walk mm-hmm. the inside. Then they'll check electrical outlets. Then they'll check plumbing. So it goes through a system that they can manage and control, and that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Great analogy. Well, right? part, look, part of it is part of it is uh, I've had some wonderful mentors and friends over the years, and I I just need to give a shout out to uh, to Chuck Puccigi, and he is on the appellate court now, but I hold the legislative office that Chuck held uh, in the uh, assembly when he was there. I feel like this is a legacy office, and lots and lots of times I always ask myself, I wonder what Chuck Puchigian would do. And he was one of those that taught me early about this governing lens. Mm -hmm. Great. With that, we're going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and Assemblyman Jim Patterson is in the studio with us. Uh, during the break, I got a text from a listener. He said, hey, Paisan, what do you want from me? Good show, but what he's referring to is the blood drive. So I responded to him, <laughs> we want your blood. Yeah, about, about two gallons of it, all right? <laughs> but not all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can do this every two months, but do remember that blood drive. I I would appreciate it so much if it was a huge turnout. And the reason I would appreciate it is because I know that would make John Miller smile up there. That's right. And make all his friends, new friends up there in heaven look at him saying, (laughs) man, you must have been somebody. (laughs) Look look at that turnout. John's organizing something up there, right? Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, speaking of organizing, um, the Realtors, California Association of Realtors, is sponsoring a ballot proposition yeah. called Proposition 5. We're urging people to vote yes on it because it's about property tax portability. If you're a senior, 
you're disabled or uh, uh, an emergent, somebody that's been displaced by emergency, you're able to move and, and keep mm-hmm. your the current tax base that you have and move it to a different property, even if it's in a different county and even if it costs more money. Sure. Now, to, this is important to note. If you if you sold something for three hundred thousand and you moved to another county and you paid five hundred thousand, you get to move your three hundred base that you have, but you're going to pay the one percent on the the extra. So, really, I don't see the communities losing anything because you, you already have no, the, the no. tax base. You can't yeah. lose what you already have. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those propositions I really love, um, and I think people need to. When they look at their ballot, think about the effect of this. Now, there's going to be technical language in it, right? And there's going to so here, here's the bottom line to this. This is about encouraging seniors to be able to, if they want to, uh, downsize. Sharon and I are sort of in this circumstance where we are uh, presently, which is we've been in our house for 35 years. It's four bedrooms. It's big, and all our kids and they're they're gone. Uh, we're and there is an impediment to that to say, well, you know, let's maybe we're going to downsize and get something with not such a big yard we've got to take care of and all. There's a discouragement for us to do that because the, 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 even the downsizing could be much more than our basis in the, in the, in the tax because of the, the price tag of the, of the downsize. For seniors across the state of California, that is a disincentive to move from their most of the time probably larger home in into something that uh, is more accommodating to their uh, their needs at the time that because they're they're uh, I- I- seniors we have a housing stock crisis i think in the state of california this is a terrific way to open up to other buyers housing stock in a much more robust and fluid way if you pull down that disincentive to sell and move, you open up that home to others who are wanting to stop renting and buy. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a terrific thing that we've got to do because we simply are, in, I think, in a stock uh, crisis because California has made it increasingly difficult uh, to really build the kind of... Uh, the kind of housing that's necessary. I mean, builders are told where they're going to build, how they're going to build. They got to build by, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, it, it, and I so look. Five is really, really important for two reasons. One, seniors will carry that benefit with them. That then is an encouragement to open up their home to a new buyer, probably younger, probably with kids, probably with families. Uh, it. it in my judgment, it looks like this is actually an incentive that has the effect of getting that those seniors into a place they want to be, but popping up a, a new house on the market for other people. A robust buying and selling economy in which there's a balance between supply and demand is sustainable and very important. And that's what this proposition will achieve. Mm-hmm. And it'll allow you to move to a different county, too. So, for example, here in Fresno, 
if you sold but you wanted to move across the river, which is really North Fresno, uh, excuse me, Madeira for saying no, that. No, but Madeira but will say it's it's, it's South Madeira. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But right now you can't do that. Yeah. But Proposition 5 would allow you to do that. Um, and they're really, really nice places with lots of amenities there. So prices are going to be higher, too. Well, that's another thing that would impede you from doing sure. it right now because maybe you sold for 300 but you're going to be paying 400 to go there. Yeah. So no, it's, I, I, when, it, um, when I was first introduced to the, to the bill, in fact, I, I probably learned about it on one of your uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, realtors' uh, uh, days where you come up. Uh, oh, the, our ledge days. Your legislation days. And I think I said at the time to the folks when, you were, when you're up in my office, this is this hits right where 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 Sharon and I are with respect to our to our decisions, um, and it, it, it for us you know, and millions of Californians like us, we've had a home that has served our families well, probably three bedroom, maybe four bedroom, uh, backyard and some space, and now we're, we're empty nesters. Part of our decision to stay in our home was that we can't. It's not portable, and the replacement would be in smaller space and different amenities would be uh, as much as as we're uh, paying in the in the large house. That tax advantage is a is a twofer. It's an incentive for seniors to get into what they'd like to get into, but it's also an incentive for that home to be opened up to the next uh, family that wants to come in and do it. I, I thought it was a an example of really well-written, important legislation put forward by those who understand the effect that this is going to have on people's lives, and it's a very, very good effect. Please, I, 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 we're going to vote for it, and I'm hoping everybody will. Okay, so yes on five. Yep. Now, we only have about a minute to do this one. We're also recommending a no on Prop 10, which is about rent control. Yeah. So without getting into the weeds no, on that, that I, I, how do you like you rent control? you got a minute. you got a minute on this? Um, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. No, 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 no. So Look, you, you don't like rent uh, control. Rent control freezes people out. It discourages private built housing. It sends a shiver and a shockwave to people who want to invest in housing. Uh, and it shrinks capital. Uh, it is absolutely the wrong thing. If you want uh, rents... To moderate, if you want costs of housing to be affordable, then have supply that meets the demand. And when that happens, the marketplace will take care of the price tag. And if you think about it, the places that do have rent control now and have had it for decades are the highest priced places in all of California. Uh, you, 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 most people who work in San Francisco can't afford to live there. And in many reasons, it's because of what the city has done with respect to rent control and, and all of the things that, 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 that the city has, has done. I, no, 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 okay. so that you can say yes, 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 yes to rents that are going to be affordable and housing stock that's going to meet the demand. Great. Uh, Assemblyman Patterson, I want to thank you thank for you. coming no, in no, here today. Yeah, you're, you're, of course, you're a radio guy, so th- <laughs> this is like a... Well, I, I has been radio guy. <laughs> I used to be. All right. Well, thank you, and I thank all our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. Don't forget to go give a pint of blood today at the Blood Center. And 
thank you from the bottom of our hearts for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. 